All right. Yeah, you may be seated. Uh, welcome. Again, I already said that, but um, let me tell you where we are. So we're in a series and we're looking at spiritual gifts. Now, if you're brand new with us, uh, we've said over and over that spiritual gifts are not uh, the natural gifts that we're born with, or they're not acquired gifts that you kind of learn over time, or even, you know, like an Enneagram, but rather spiritual gifts are divine abilities that are given to every believer the moment they believe, uh, and they're given by God's spirit to minister to other people, to strengthen others' faith, that we have all been given gifts. And so throughout this series, we've looked at the different spiritual gifts in the Bible. And what the Bible teaches is that God's spirit is still alive today, working through us today. He wants to show others in the church the love, the power, the truth of God. And he does that through gifts. He does that through one another and how we love one another. And so that's what spiritual gifts are. Every Christian has at least one. Some have many. And so we've talked about the different kinds of gifts. But where we find ourselves this morning is in what most of you would kind of know if you went to any wedding, right? So even if you're brand new to the faith and you're like, this is new, you've probably heard this text that we're preaching on today. And that's the love chapter, okay? So we are in the love chapter. That's the, you know, love is patient, love is kind. It keeps no records of wrong. So that's where we find ourselves this morning. And we're, we did part one last week. And, and last week, Paul just said, you can have the most spectacular gifting. You can have the greatest prophecies. You can have all these spiritual gifts, but if you don't have love, it's, it's, it's nothing. It, it's worthless. That, that gifts to God matter more in our love for others than in the power of the gift. And so we talked about all of that, why the spirit would still use gifts if the motive wasn't love. And uh, today we're gonna just pick it up in verse five of part two. Uh, and then we're going to just close the chapter off. And so uh, before we do that, as we did last week, I want to um, I want to begin with you praying. Uh, one of the things that we said is that it would be really easy uh, for you to have other people in mind today, because we're going to be talking about how to love. It'd be easy for us to be like, oh, yeah, you know, my spouse is so irritable. So Holy Spirit, help them right now. Listen, like, don't do that. What, what I want you to do right now before we we pray is I just want you to ask God, God, will you show me where you want to change my heart? Like, will you show me, like, like, will you be willing to pray this morning, God, show me where I'm just too much about me? Like, show me that. Say, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to take out what's not loving in me because I don't give any real thought on how to Love and relate to others the way you do to me. Like as James talks, will you just show me what you want to work on? Okay, so will you do that? You're going to pray, and then I'll pray, and then we'll get going. Father, I just thank you that you are here, that you are in us by your spirit, and I, I know that you have healing that you're going to do through your word, I just, I pray, Holy Spirit, that the, that the gifts that you've given me would, would be evident in, in the way that you have, that you speak so powerfully through your word. And so, God, we just need you. Like, I, I pray that I would teach from love. And I, and I just, I pray that as we hear from you, God, that, that Holy Spirit, if there's bitterness or resentfulness or uh, 
kinds of anger lodged in our hearts that we can't hear how loved we are and we can't hear others. We can't allow others to love us the way you're calling this church in the first century and our church today to love. And I just, I pray that as we unpack that you would speak. I pray that you would change us. We don't want to just hear a message and learn a few things. We want we want healing because we don't have the power. Like we don't have power, even in principles, to change the stuff we can't change. And that's why we need you. We need the gifts today. I just, I pray even for the, this time of response that you would by your spirit manifest gifts, give people words. I just pray for your healing help. And we just ask that you would do what you want to do this morning. And so I give this whole gathering to you. And just, I just, I, and I pray for that. Maybe there's one person who's not a Christian yet. I pray that they would hear your voice today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's, uh, because we're going to pick up in verse five, it would be good to get a sense of the whole passage because we're in the middle of it. So let's read chapter 13 together and then we'll, uh, we'll get into it. Here we go. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, so if I have the spiritual gift of tongues, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and, and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I've been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. All right, so we ended last week in the middle of verse five, and so we're picking it up today um, with part two. So, so the first part of the sermon, if you're gonna follow with me, is part two of how's my love? Uh, and then second, we're gonna, we're gonna ask the question or just look at why it's good my gifts are temporary. Okay, so, so how's your love part two? And then why it's good that my gifts are temporary. So uh, we're gonna begin right, right in the middle, right smack with what love isn't. So he says this, love is not irritable. Okay, so let's just go here. Love is not irritable. Love is not easily provoked. Let me try to explain something uh, that some have called gift tension. 
okay? Gift tension. So we've talked about spiritual gifts in the, you know, we talked a little about this in the series, but let's say you have the spiritual gift of mercy. So that is God just use you in a profound way. You just ha- like have compassion around hurting people. You're really sensitive to them. You wanna come alongside them and he uses you to build them up. And, and let's say you just, you wanna go and encourage someone, but your friends come in and they have the gift of teaching. Okay, so, so they're coming in and they're like, I'm gonna love them with truth. And you both are not saying any of that. You're just coming into the meeting and all of a sudden you're sitting down there and you're all warm and you got everyone's chamomile tea. Um, Cause you know, you're just, you have that gift of giving good tea. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you're just, you're, you're listening, you're going, hey, what's going on? And your, your heart's compassionate. You just have these shepherds. And all of a sudden, your friend's like, here's what you need, okay? First Corinthians three, and they just start teaching and you can just see like right there, your friend is just spirit ready, like this is gonna go. And you're, you're going like, what, what are you doing? They need to be listened to. And all of a sudden you get this, you're irritated by them. And you look over them and they're just like full of the spirit. Like, here's what we're doing. There's the three points to change your life. And you're like, we haven't even heard how their life's going. And so gift tension. Right? Have you ever been like, have you ever seen like someone with the gift of leadership, which is just like, this is where we're going. Here's what we have to do. And all of a sudden, the one with the spiritual gift of administration is like, we don't have a plan. This isn't going to work without this, 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 this. And God's using them. And then the leader's just like, like, why do you not love where we're going in vision? Well, I love your vision, but you need gift tension, right? You can see there's something called gift tension. Remember, the context of this love chapter isn't marriage. What is it? Spiritual gifts. So we're talking about spiritual gifts, okay? Um, you know, have you ever been in a community group where someone's got like this, they're so powerful at prayer. They have the gift of intercession. They, they wanna pray. They wanna bring everything to the Lord. But the, gift, but the community group's usually full of like people with helps and let's practically love each other. And here's ways we can serve each other. And let's plan how we're gonna do this event. And, and the, the, the prayer person's like, no one here is spiritual. Like, why don't you guys want to pray? How come you don't love Jesus the way I love Jesus? Right? And, and then that comes out. And so what you think is, well, they have a spiritual problem because they're not like you. How many of you have ever been frustrated with a pastor? You're like, right now. Or a community group leader or a friend because the expectation is they need to meet my needs the way you would meet your needs. And so there's this irritation that like you're easily provoked and they haven't sinned. It's just something called gift tension. You actually see this a few times in the book of Acts, but there's one really profound one uh, where, where Paul and Barnabas, so Barnabas means encouragement. Paul's got gifts of leadership and they actually did ministry together a lot of the time in, in Acts. But when you get to Acts 15, um, Paul doesn't want to take John Mark. He doesn't want to take him because some things that, you know, Mark wasn't doing the way Paul thought he should do and, and uh, wasn't really th- thinking he was for him. And Barnabas is an encourager. And so they actually have this gift tension. There's, there's an irritation. There's a battle. The Bible says it was heated and God used it. But you can just see, I'm just showing you, this is, this is the context he's speaking into. And so uh, here's one general principle coming out of this. We, we need to be careful that we don't moralize. Do you know what I mean by that? We don't say this is the expectation for everyone with our spiritual gifts and say or put the expectation that others need to love someone the way you would. It's it's good to be around there. So let me ask you this. Love is not irritable. Do people feel like they're walking on eggshells around you? So... We want to go into this with love. 
are like, it's usually undeserving. Maybe something that's like a two out of 10. You're just always 10 out of 10. You're that person. You're just like flipping tables. What? It, like, are you easily irritable? Like, are you the person you're extremely touchy? You're overly sensitive. You tend to take everyone's actions very personal. Like someone, like you'll even like take someone's facial expression and be like, oh, they raised their eyebrow. They must think I'm annoying. And everything's personal. And so you're just like, Bruh. No, but, but seriously, you're always beneath the surface of an explosive and defensive moment, right? This is, you're like, just bring it on. If they do that, I'm going to 10. That's, how many of you, that's you? That's, that's not love. And here's a verse I was praying. I was actually every, with each one, I was praying that the Holy Spirit would just really reveal this to you. But a verse that came to my mind while I was preparing this is Zephaniah 3.17. So I want you to read this. Even if you think this is a little bit of you, it says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. So here's what I sense in this. Number one, he loves you. Like God rejoices over you. You're not irritating to him. Like his love is that great. But don't miss this. You won't hear the music if you're so loud in your own mind. If you're so irritated all the time. If this is you, I want you to come get prayer this morning. Like, I want you to come for it. I want you to get, if you're like, yep, yeah, this is me. I want you to get prayer. He goes on, love is not resentful. One translation says, love keeps no record of wrongs. So here, here Paul is talking about uh, all those times when really someone has really deeply hurt you. Maybe they use their gifts poorly or overbearingly. They didn't have the character for their spiritual gift. And so they just really crushed you. Their offense was genuine. It's uncalled for. Um, this, this is a love that, that when you give it, because when you're not being resentful, you're not only forgiving, but you're welcoming. Let me show you, show you a few things about this. In Romans 3, it says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a, what's a word? Gift. As a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, notice this word justified connected to the word gift. This is the Bible's word for how God holds no record of wrongs towards us. So love is not resentful. Love holds no records of wrong. Justification is that. It's a word that means to be declared righteous, perfect, because of what Jesus has accomplished in his death. It, it, it's, a, it's a legal term. The, someone's already paid the debt. The punishment is absorbed. It is no longer on you because it was already taken. You've been justified. That's the gospel, that, that God the Father saw your sin and he didn't hold you there. He put your sins on Jesus and your judgment day went there. Jesus died in your place for your sin. You're declared righteous. You're justified. For all the times you've kind of pushed out God or ignored him and lived as if 
you are the most important person. But here's what I want you to see in, in relation to this whole point. Love, this love, Jesus' love, this gift kind of love is more than freedom from guilt, liability, okay? It, it's not just getting you back to a neutral place. I was, I was, I had the most awkward massage, okay? Uh, on like literally, like on uh, Tuesday, like a Monday, I was like, Nikki, I think I'm really in pain. So like my legs were hurting and stuff. And she's like, buddy, book a massage. And I was like, yeah, I got benefits. I'll book a massage. And so I'm the kind of guy who like, uh, you know, when you get on an airplane with someone, I'm like, please watch a movie so I can too, because I don't really want to share my faith. So, but I'm always, okay, I'm always, always, and you know, I ask the Holy Spirit every time, do you want me to share my faith? Like when I'm on a plane or anywhere in public, I'm like, Holy Spirit, do you want me to do something? So, you know, I meet this person brand new. I've never met her before. And I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, do you want, if you want me to share, then I'll share. And um, so first question she asked me, what do you do for a living? I was like, I was like, oh, it's like, here we go. I'm a pastor. She's like, I've never met one. I was like, you've never met a past, like you've never met any like people in the church. She's like, no. And I was like, oh, that's in, like really interesting. Like now you have, they're, they're not weird. Maybe they are. And second question out of her mind, what do you believe? So I'm just like for like the whole time, just telling her the gospel. And like, it was so powerful for me because I was praying for her. And uh, I mean, I could ask you, I could tell you all the questions, but the one thing that when I was sharing the gospel with her, she said, so you get to neutral. So if you have God in your life, then, you, then you're back to neutral and then you can love. And I said, you can't, I just shared with her, no, it's way more than neutral. I said, you were, if God exists, you were made to have a relationship with him. So if he exists, he doesn't just want you neutral. He wants you welcomed in. I actually asked her this one question. I said, can I ask you a strange question? I said, if you, were if you were to discover that God is, and he exists, and he's actually the God of the Bible, um, what would keep you from wanting to, to believe in him? And her response was heartbreaking. She said, I, I wish they wouldn't hate everyone. She thought Christians hated people. And uh, number two, I, I, I wouldn't want to give up my own uh, worldview of what I think is morally right. And I just said to her, like, what if you could have more love and have a greater worldview than your own standard? Like, what if you knew there was someone out there who could love you despite all the things that you break in your own worldview? She's like, well, maybe. <laughs> so anyways, why am I telling you that? Because I'm wasting, you know, how time is precious to me. So, oh, neutral. Here's how one pastor put this. The voice which spells forgiveness will say, you may go. You've been let off the penalty which your sins deserve, but the verdict which spells justification will say, you may come. You're welcome to all my love and my presence. God invites us to warmth and love. When using our gifts to those who may have hurt us or misused us, we don't say, okay, you know what? I'm not gonna be resentful. Um, I'll, I'll choose to absorb, I forgive you, but I'm not encouraging that person ever again. It's the last time they get something from me. That's not this love. This love, like Jesus' love, chooses to 
say, I'm gonna not only forgive you, but I'm welcoming you back in. You get my presence. So here's a really important question. James, what's the difference between enablement and love? So I get it that God's calling us to forgive and I'm supposed to be welcoming other people in, but, but seriously, James, like, that's not easy. No, it's not. So what's the difference between enablement and love? Here, here it is. Enabling is a response that I have for a person or my spouse that's usually coming from a place where it's number one, I don't like to see them in pain, and so I don't want to see them hurting, so I'm going to rescue them from consequences. Second, it comes from a place of fear or reaction. Like, it is, you don't want to give them what they, if, if I don't give them what they want, I don't get them out of this pain, they are going to respond to me with anger. Both are fear response. Love is something you do for that person or your spouse for the benefit of others, right? We talked about that. Meaning, this, lo this love allows them to walk in and experience consequences. Now, of course, no one usually wants to see someone in pain or hurting, but, but hear me on this. Consequences are oftentimes the greatest soil for them to see they can't be their own savior. It's the greatest soil for them to come to this place where they go, I need him. I can't change this. It's, it's the place where God will take that scalpel and form them into him. We know this, consequences often show us where we need Jesus. They help people learn and grow. So allowing someone to feel consequences can be loving and is loving. But here's the key. Even when you're allowing that to happen, you're not rescuing them maybe perhaps the way they want to be rescued. But here's the key, really important. We want the message the entire time to be reconciliation and restoration. This love is not resentful means that when you are allowing them to experience consequences, you say things like, I want things to be better. I want to connect with you. I want, you to come, I want our marriage to work. I want us to grow. I want, I want to love you as Jesus loves you. Say things like, I'm not taking revenge. I'm not wanting to be resentful. I'm not allowing bitterness to root in me. I'm for you. And by the way, when God comes to Adam in the garden, after Adam sins, he says, Adam, where are you? He knows where Adam is. He knows Adam's quivering behind the tree. Why do you think he does that? Perhaps he's saying something like, Adam, I know where you are. I'm aware of what you're afraid of to see and take responsibility for. But until you come out of hiding, we can't have the relationship we both want. Adam, you think that if you observe your situation, if you face the awfulness of what you've done and who you've become, you'll think or realize, I hate you, but I don't. Like, I love you. Short church, don't confuse consequences, right brokenness, and repentance with not loving. 
Like God's heart is love every time. Hebrews 12 says this, it'll be on the screen. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons or daughters. Verse 13, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. God's never in heaven feeling like, oh, he has to love you. He, He never resents you. He's not like, oh, okay, I died for them. Let's go, Holy Spirit. They're a mess. No. Like, just, I mean, like, consider what sort of God would create you, sacrifice enormously for you. Listen, listen, choose to inhabit you and then refuse to speak into your life? No, you're a son and a daughter. And here's my point. You might be here and you've allowed bitterness to grow towards a parent, a spouse, or a friend who's loved you by allowing you to feel or go through or experience consequences of an action who even said, I'm so for you, I'm in, but you process that poorly. And if that's you, you need to call them today. You need to apologize. And here's my ask. You need prayer. You need, you need power to get out of that kind of bitterness. There's not many uh, footholds for demonic spirits to get in, like lust and bitterness. Bitterness, you'll hear voices all the time. And their voices defending you. He goes on. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Okay, love doesn't get excited when someone fails or or or, or uses their gift wrong, right? Have you ever like had a sense of joy when someone messed up or like you know got found out, and you're like, yeah, stick it to them? Like, what? That's not love. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Rather, love rejoices in truth. Here's how one put it. Love is always on the lookout for the chance to shine a light on something done right. What would it look like if we were the kind of church that anytime you saw God's fruit in anyone, someone repent a little bit, someone uh, grow, someone read the Bible a little bit more, like you're just going, oh my goodness, this is so amazing. Like you just rejoice in, in the truth, you're just like, yeah, see, if the situation is bad, love wants to help. If the situation's good, love wants to celebrate. If spiritual gifts are building up and are being used, love is rejoicing in that it's spending more time praising God. Look at where he's working. There's, there's nothing love cannot face. He says, love bears all things. Let me ask you this. Where... Are you, 
or where do you get passive in the church and in your relationships where you don't think you're loving or you do think you're loving and you're not? Are you willing to ask your spouse today, how's my love? Are you willing to say, I've made this marriage more about me and my happiness rather than God and how to relate to you the way he does? Like, are you willing to say that sentence? Wives, are you willing to say, I've made this marriage more about me and my happiness rather than God and how to relate to you the way he does? Like, just are you willing to say that sentence? Everyone's like... I mean, I could, but no, no husbands are like, are you willing to say like tonight before you go to bed, I've cared more about me and my pursuits and life than God or caring about you and making my life about serving you like Jesus does. Like, I mean, I'm serious. Like we just, we have to go there. Like, are you... Are you willing to say in your community group or your close friendships, I rarely think about how to serve, love, and use my gifts. Rather, I think more about how I wish you'd notice and focus on me. Like, like how much do you think about you in your relationships? Do your do your act do our do our actions like express the purpose of doing whatever is in the best interests of others? Because my point in all this is is love bears all. It's it's love is a do thing. Like love doesn't sit passive passively by. Short church, I am just I am I am shocked, and this is. I see this in my own heart all the time where like, you know, someone might be in a doctrinal error or like you can tell they're on this path to marital unfaithfulness or there's a sin that's about to destroy them. And, and, and instead we kind of just sit back and let, you know, collect stories for 10 years and we don't say anything. Like I, I'm shocked, like at times as a pastor, when I meet with people who are in a 911, have they been going through this for five years and people knew about it and said nothing. Like this, like Jesus in love would just say to the church, like, get involved. Because why? Spiritual gifts are God interfering for others' faith. God might give someone a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom to speak into your life on an area of sin that he's calling you out on. An area of bitterness. When someone's discouraged and doubting God, the church isn't to be like, in my head, you know what, I hope they figure it out. No, the church is to be like, hey, Holy Spirit, use me, manifest the gifts through me, help me to love them. That's what love is. Love is a do thing. It, it moves. Spiritual gifts are God ministering his love through others. So, so a gentle word of correction can bear much fruit with God's spirit. Where you say, Holy Spirit, I'm about to meet with this person. I've seen this in their life. Will you help? this have power. Love might ask, is it possible you're struggling with gossip? Love might ask like, hey, I've, your addiction to watching nudity and calling it just your show on Netflix, I think might be killing your sex life and your marriage. She's got her shows, I got mine. No, 
That's just not healthy. Like, just like love is it? love never gives up. It never exhausts hope. And as we did last week, you can insert Jesus in all of this, but Jesus, Jesus never exhausts hope. You don't wear him down. God's not in heaven looking at your life and going, it's hopeless. Uh, in his book, Seeking Allah and Finding Jesus, Nabil Qureshi, who was a Muslim and he became a Christian, God pursued him in, in a profound way. He gave his life to Jesus. But in that time, in the Muslim faith and still today, in many countries, uh, for him to depart from the Muslim faith would mean he literally would be exiled from his family, from everything. Um, and in this pain... He says this, quote, to follow Christ means I lose them. To love Jesus means I die to them. And he goes on and just talks about how much sorrow this brought him. As it would, this is your family. He says there were times where he would cry out, quote, God, I wish you would have just killed me when you saved me. I wish you would have just let me die and taken me home then because to be alive and watch the agony of my family who doesn't understand is walking through as they grieve the loss of their child. It's just unbearable because to them, I am dead. I'm gone. And he had weeks of praying this to just, I just would rather you take me home. I can't bear to see my parents Lose me and go through this kind of pain. And then he has a moment as he's praying, reading the scriptures, where the Lord begins to open his eyes. And here's what he says. While I was wallowing in self-pity, focused on myself, there was a whole world with literally billions of people who had no idea who God is, how amazing he is, and the wonders he's done for us. They are the ones who are really suffering. They don't know his hope, his peace, and his love that transcends all understanding. They don't know the message of the gospel. After loving us with the most humble life and the most horrific death, Jesus told us, as I have loved you, go and love one another. How could I consider myself a follower of Jesus if I was not willing to live as he lived, to die as he died, to love the unloved and give hope to the hopeless? How is our love for the lost? Are we passive? Are we too much about us? We don't say anything. The church is to be the display of the manifold wisdom of God. Jesus says they're going to they're going to know how loved how much I love them by how the church loves one another. Like this was Jesus's prayer in John 17, that they would just love one another and people would look into the church and go, I want that. And yes, the culture has a different version of love than we do. But, but is this how we think, like with our spiritual gifts? Like are we, those believers who are like, God, just use me to love people today. Like whenever you, we talk about this every week, but when you come in here, are you going, Holy Spirit, show me someone to encourage, help me to build up. I want to use my gifts. I want to love people. I want to get profound joy by practicing the gifts. The joy is in seeing other people experience the love and the presence and the reality of God. All right, so that's how's your love. 
<clears throat> part two. Last point. Why it's good my gifts are temporary. Verses 8 to 13, let's read it one more time. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So one question we just need to, I just need to get out of the way here before we unpack the essence of this passage is what, what does he mean when he writes, the, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And the reason, if you're like, why do we need to know that? The reason we need to know that is because if you've grown up in a, in a church of people who love Jesus, love the Bible, uh, but they will have a, a uh, position on gifts that the gifts seized in the first century because they will look at this word perfect and say that refers to either the fullness of the church or the completion of the Bible. So they're saying when the Bible comes, when we finally have all the words of revelation we need, we won't need some of these more spectacular gifts so that these gifts like prophecy tongues, the ones he mentions here, they've died off in the first century. So some of you might have grown up in a tradition or, or church that believes that. So we need to just talk about it. Um, is this talking about the Bible? Well, no. Number one, why? Nowhere in this whole text do we have any kind of context for scriptures that he would be referring to the Bible? Secondly, the Bible has come and the result is we don't see him face to face. He's saying when the perfect comes, we will have this fullness, wholeness. And we have the Bible and we're still not there. And so what is it? What is the perfect? Well, as you can sense already by reading it, it's when Jesus comes again, it's Jesus. It's the fullness of the eternal state, the condition of the perfection that we will enjoy in the new heavens and new earth. When he comes and restores, we'll be made whole. See, see here's what's so important, like short church, and with, when it comes to spiritual gifts, remember he's writing to a church that was just boasting in how spiritual they were because they had this gift over this gift. And Paul's going, those are not the purpose. Paul's saying, you know what's gonna go into heaven? Not your prophetic prophecy gift, love. What's gonna go into heaven, what's gonna last is your love. Like, like when Jesus finally comes, we won't need healing. We won't need the spiritual gift of healing because we'll be fully healed. We won't need the gift of tongues, this heavenly angelic prayer where he, God just intervenes because he'll be answered every prayer. We'll, have, we'll be able to talk to him face to face. We won't need these spiritual gifts. We, we, won't, we won't need these spontaneous revelations for building up someone or spiritual progress or predicting the future like prophecy. We won't need those kinds of encouragement because we'll be fully known. Those gifts are given to us for intimacy and friendship with God in the now. 
But when he comes, we won't need what they're there for because we'll have it in whole. Right now, they're for, for building up, for pulling back the curtain, showing God's kingdom, for building and strengthening our faith, for us to hold fast. But when that day comes, we will see face to face. This is why he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. He's like comparing to what we were like now in our spiritual gifts. We're like kids. We're only aware and able to do what children do. But when that time comes, we'll be fully matured and we'll just, we won't do the childish things. So, so, so let me say this, even when spiritual gifts are operating at the highest and the most effective level, they can only bring us knowledge that is partial. As Paul says, we know in part, prophesy in part. You, you even take, for example, the temporariness of healing. Right? Have you ever met someone who like God miraculously healed and then the disease came back? It, it's in part. So, so Mark Wishart, five years ago, we were praying in this lobby that God would heal him and he did. Like he, like he was ready to go into the doctors for dialysis and his kidneys were not doing great at all. We prayed, he felt a rush come over him. He goes to the doctors, they're like, you're completely healed. Five years, completely healed, and it came back. And right now it's, a, it's an amazing story where his wife, Michelle, actually has the perfect kidney donations, like match, and so they're going in. But God's doing a great, but he came back. Why? Because it, it's, it's just a glimpse, it's, it's a glimmer. And so, yes, spiritual gifts should be used with great excitement every day, every week. Paul's like, the next verse in 14 is eagerly desire the gifts, especially that you may prophesy. We should expect God's manifestation through our gifts because of what they're pointing to. More importantly, look at this verse. It's who they're pointing to. Gifts are there to get us joy in Jesus, relationship and friendship with Jesus which is why we can also say, I'm so excited for the gifts to be done because then I'll know him face to face. I remember um, three, three years, Nikki and I did long distance. Uh, and uh, man, I remember my heart being so sick of just wanting her. Like I just... You know, and I would, I would like look at the pictures that I had and I would just be like, oh, like I would just, I want to, I want to experience just her warmth and like, you know, when you're holding hands and you're like cheek to cheek and you're just like, you're together. And I remember just like longing for her, but, but only I ha all I had was like pictures. And I think I've told you this before, but sometimes I would even like kiss the pictures. <laughs> Do you remember that? Um, because I would just, I want that. But then it would happen, okay? Summer or winter break would happen and I'd get on the Amtrak from Chicago to Ontario and who would be there to pick me up? Well, my parents, which is fine. They're here today. <laughs> um, but it was, it was Nikki. And I remember like being in the backseat, just holding her hand on the way to Boston Pizzas because that was our tradition. Um, and just going like, oh, this is her hand. And we would just have faith, like it was, it was, this is what it would, this is what we're looking for. Like Paul loved being with Jesus. In Philippians 1, we read, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. 
If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for what? That is far better. Last week I went and visited Claire. You would know her by face. She's been a part of our ministry for a while. And uh, she was in palliative care. She probably just has days, maybe weeks, is full of cancer and is dying. And I've been there when people have died of cancer and it's the worst. And I never know what to say. So I usually just go in there and I'm like, Holy Spirit, please help me. Um, and so I sit at the end of her bed and um, we talked a little bit, but then I just said, can I pray for you? And here's what she said, not for healing. And I said, no, I know. Why? She said, I just want to be with my Jesus. And I just thought, that's how you die well. Like, I just want to see him face to face. Like, when was the last time you had such a great quiet time with the Lord that you didn't want to leave it? Like you just didn't want to leave that moment. You didn't want to leave that prayer walk. Is this what we long for, like in our gifts, in how we love other people, that they would experience him face to face? That's how you love someone. I was reminded this week that God literally determines whether or not you take another breath. Acts 17 says, he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Could anything be more important than meeting with the one who decides if you live through this day? Like, could anything be better? So here's what we're going to do. If you have the spiritual gift of faith, of mercy, like in this series, you know the Spirit showed you that, or intercession, or words of wisdom, or words of knowledge, or gifts of prophecy, or healing, I want you to stand right now. If you have those spiritual gifts, healing, words of wisdom, knowledge, the Lord gives you revelations for others, or of healing, or of mercy, or the gift of prophecy. Thank you. You're going to be our prayer team. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have you guys come forward. Those who are standing, will you come forward and make up this side here and this side here. Um, 
And Jordan, you can come on up. If you're even a part of this team and you need prayer, pray for one another. But here's my ask. We're going to go in about eight minutes of response before we sing. And I'm asking that the Holy Spirit would meet with you face to face through this team, through, through their gifts, their praying for you. And so if you have had any moment during this message where you could sense there's bitterness or you don't think I'm important to God or if you feel discouraged or you feel overwhelmed and whatever's going on in your life and you just feel like under these lies and you need gifts. So here, here, here's, this is like the weirdest thing ever right now because the idea is not like these, like those whom the Spirit's given these gifts were, are gonna have something that you don't, but that is, the, that is what I'm asking, meaning this. Like, whenever I'm down, I actually ask the Holy Spirit for someone with the gift of encouragement to encourage me. And so this is like, this is the awkward part where like we need the body of Christ. Like we need one another. And so this is not like, oh, I'm not standing, you know. This is like, hey, we, I just need prayer today. And so this is like a giant community group where we're like, God, would you just use a gift of mercy? Would you give someone a word of knowledge? Will you? We need prayer. Like we need God to bring healing into our lives. And so the rest of us, can we stand together here? Um, and we're just gonna spend some time praying. But here's my ask. If you have anything going on in your life, break off into groups of two, everyone up here. And just as they come forward and receive prayer, let's just pray and just say, can you pray for bitterness that's going on in my life? Can you pray for a broken relationship? Can you pray for an addiction? And don't say anything else. Just let them know that that's what you're asking God to heal. And those who are gonna pray, pray for healing. Pray whatever the Holy Spirit brings to mind. But if you hear lies right now that's saying like, you don't need any help, you don't need prayer, you just stay here, it's too embarrassing, rebuke that in Jesus' name because that that needs brokenness. This is the willing part of the body, okay? We've never done this. We probably won't do it again. But today is the day that you just go, I'm gonna come, I'm not gonna have any pride. I just, we're gonna just pray for one another. And so this team, you might have to go out and, and, uh, and pray, but like just get prayer. Everyone needs prayer. And Dale and I will be in the back. If there's healing if you have anything that you're like, the elders need to lay hands on me and anoint me with oil, we have oil. And we'll be back there. Would love to pray for you. And then Jordan's gonna lead us in a time of, of singing. But like, just don't take, don't be comfortable. Like get uncomfortable and come get prayer. Don't get your kids yet. Cause I know three of you are like, I'm gonna get my kids right now. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're gonna get prayer. Have someone pray for you. That could be the biggest step in your spiritual life, by the way. But I know God wants to heal you. So come.